You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. Hey, good morning once again. Uh, This is John and Daniela, each of their last Sunday serving in the band here at City Church. As they're about to move, John's moving to Orlando, Daniela's moving to Tampa, and I just wanted to bring them before the church. They have served so faithfully in our music ministry here. We're going to miss each of them a lot. Uh, I saw faces go, oh, when I said that. Uh, So will you just thank them for their faithful service here and all they've done uh, for our church? Yeah, we're... We are... We're... We're going to miss each of you a lot. Thank you for how you served here. We all each did an Easter, too, the way you just blessed our city and blessed our church. Just incredible. Uh, But so many Sundays, college ministry, all the things you've done here. I just just as your pastor just want to say thanks. We're going to miss you all a lot. So thank you all. One more time for these two. So we are in the book of 1 Corinthians. We're getting back in it. It's been like two years or something like that. Uh, we were in 1 Corinthians before. There's all the shutdown, the pandemic and all that, just going verse by verse through the book. And then we said, well, we're going to be on video for a while online. We're going to talk about some stuff that's just kind of going on in our world at that moment. And then we just kind of like forgot about getting back in 1 Corinthians. So we're back in 1 Corinthians. So we're going to be, uh, it's that deep in terms of the strategy behind that. Oh yeah, we need to finish 1 Corinthians. So uh, here we are and we're going to be back in 1 Corinthians for the summer. Uh, a book that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church that really lost its way. Uh, new Christians uh, coming to faith in Christ. And then before long, they're just going crazy. Everybody's just in all kinds of sin, all kind of junk going on. Paul gets word of it and he's writing a letter to them kind of going, y'all, what's going on? And to help them correct and get back into following Jesus faithfully and being witnesses of the gospel in their city. So let's pray together and we're jumping back into 1 Corinthians will be in chapter 9 verses 24 through 27 this morning. So let's pray. Father, uh, we are thankful for the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that it's not too late for anyone in this room to follow you that you don't count our past against us because Jesus died in our place. That all those who put their faith in you and repent of their sins will be made new and forgiven. I thank you for that amazing news. I thank you that no one is too far to receive your grace. How amazing that is, that your love is for all people. I ask that you be with Daniela, uh, that you be with John in Orlando and Tampa, their next steps in life. I thank you for how faithfully they've served their church And for all of our students who are leaving into different places, relocating for work or whatever it could be, I thank you for how they've served our college ministry. We ask for uh, the work they put in and how they've served that our college ministry in the future will benefit greatly from it as well as our entire church. That's with all the churches in Tallahassee as they gather this morning. May the gospel we proclaim faithfully. Keep the enemy we ask out of our town, out of our churches. Pray for those in our church right now and our church family who are hurting, who are sick, who have doubts who have anxieties, whatever it could be, Lord, we just ask that you be near to them today and that the book of 1 Corinthians will help them see you and will help them run their race well. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Don't you know is how he begins. As in, I'm assuming you know this already. I'm going to give you an example that's familiar to you. He's telling these first century Christians who have basically lost their way. He says, don't you know that the runners in the stadium all race? And this had been a a culture that understood running and races as just kind of part of their sports they got excited about. It was kind of probably their college football. But only one receives the prize. Georgia fans, we know that was you this year. We know. You've told us a million times. Run in such a way to win the prize. Like you play to win the game. Run in such a way to win the prize. 
Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown. But we, an imperishable crown, as in the race I'm talking about, he's saying, is different than the race we attend in the stadium. The principles are the same, but the goal and the point is different. Because of that, verse 26, so I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, here's the Christian call instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Now in verse 24, when he talks about one winning the prize, he's not saying that only one person in the Christian race gets the prize. There's only like one Christian who actually makes it, who actually gets the reward, who actually goes to heaven. If it was, it'd probably be your grandma, right? Like she's probably the best Christian you know, right? It'd probably be Nana. Uh, But that's not what he's saying. Rather, he's saying that we ought to run like the one who gets the prize. Like that's our model. We should run like the person who's competing to win. Because this life, the life that God has given us, and he's calling here a race, that's what he's comparing it to, is where we prove who we are, whom we trust, either God or this world, and what we actually love the most. And so we prove who we are, if we actually are Christians, if we actually are in Christ, if we've actually given our lives to Jesus, if we've been forgiven of our sins, made free, whom we trust, and what we actually love the most. Because we're going to worship what it is that we actually love. And that life we're talking about here is compared by Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as in God's writing these words through Paul's skills and personality, he compares this passage to a race. And he says, run like the runners who win. Why? Because we already have one in Jesus. He says later in 1 Corinthians, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We'll be in that verse in a couple of months. It's in chapter 15. So we want to run in a manner that gets the prize. And what's the prize? It's eternal life. It's an imperishable crown. See, our race, our lives, they actually have eternal significance, like real eternal consequences, not because we're saved by works, because our good deeds won't cancel out our bad deeds. Getting a Diet Coke at Whataburger doesn't cancel out the double cheeseburger, okay? Maybe it does, but not in God's menu. We're not saved by works but because Christ has saved us from dead works, from lifeless works. Not just to be forgiven, but now to something, to actually serve the living and true God with the passion of a championship runner, with an Olympic type of passion. Jonathan Edwards, famous philosopher and pastor, as a college student at Yale 300 years ago, he stated this, it was called, he wrote his, out his resolutions. Resolved to live with all my might while I do live. He's writing as a Christian here. He's talking about his Christian discipleship in following Jesus. I've resolved to live with all my might while I live. Hebrews says this, the blood of Christ, that's what forgives us. Jesus died so we wouldn't have to. 
who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, meaning he was the perfect sacrifice, cleansed our consciences from dead works. Why? So we can serve the living God. So we can run our race. So we can go full speed following Jesus now in our freedom. Paul wrote this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Not my performance, not my family, not my heritage, not my resume. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, as in it did something. He says, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So whether then it is I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have believed. They're working together in harmony. The grace of God compels me to live for God, to work for God. And this is the same Paul who said it's by grace that we've been saved, not by works. So there's not a contradiction here. It's by the grace of God this has happened in my life that I've been saved, not just from my sins, but now to actually live for Jesus. See, Paul running his race for, sorry, I'm getting a little, almost about to cough. Preemptive caught it, great job. So Paul running his race doesn't offset or negate grace. It seals the deal on the power of what that grace has done. It shows and displays what has happened in his life. That God has miraculously saved him and changed him and given him another chance and forgiven him. I'm not sure who first said it, but it's passed around for years and years of Christian preaching that grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. It's not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning, thinking we can do anything to get our sins forgiven. Just be a good person, just be sincere. You hear that so often today in our culture. And all those are great and make sense for an American way of life, but they don't deal with our biggest problem. And that's why we've been, separate, we've been separated from God because of our sin. We need someone who never sinned to stand in our place. Well, who's that gonna be? Do you know anybody who's never sinned? Have you found that person yet? We were so hopeless that God had to actually come here. That he still loved the world, that he gave his only son. Jesus was sent here and lived a perfect life and became eligible to be the only one who could die for our sins, and he did so willingly in our place to make us right with God. It's not opposed to earning. And now we say, no, because I've been saved, I want to give effort, like actually Olympic-style effort to live for Jesus, that it matters in my life, that I actually believe something happened that day when I became a Christian. Something actually changed. John Piper says this, the point of salvation is to make the glory of God visible in the universe. He says that's what this 1 Corinthians 9 text is about. He goes on, the running and fighting that glorifies God, that demonstrates that he is real and worthy and precious and powerful and pure and loving and holy and satisfying. Running and fighting are all about revealing who Christ is for us and who we are in him. He concludes with this, how precious the prize of eternal life with him is to us. That our running shows that. 
that our race displays that our faith is not a hobby, it's not a good luck charm, it's not a crutch just when things go bad, that it actually is a prize to us. Then we get to verse 25, where he says, not everyone who competes, now everyone who competes, exercises self-control in everything. Think about a race. Think about someone training for a marathon. Something I'm happy to report I will never do. But think about someone training for a marathon. They probably they have apps that help them train. There's a plan for it. They have a nutrition track that they get on. And they want to put that 26.2 bumper sticker on the back of their car. Some of y'all try to slap that 13.1 on there. We ain't buying it. 26.2 or no sticker for you, you know what I mean? That's what we're saying, so. But there's plans that go into place. Here's what we see in Hebrews. Therefore, since we've been, we have such a large cloud of witnesses, other believers that have gone before us, that are surrounding us, lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run, here's that running metaphor again, to talk about the Christian life, with endurance, the race that lies before us. The context here is, just like today in Olympic events, you want to have nothing on you that's going to hinder you from running. Like in a swimming event, they wear the caps, right, so their hair doesn't hold them back. Uh, so, you know, the different scientific, you know, sports technology, it, it seems like it changes every Olympics where the bathing suit is more equipped to go faster. It used to be where people, the runners, the sprinters would wear these little shorts and a tank top. Now they wear these, like, you know, onesie kind of bodysuit sort of things. Whatever it takes to be able to run the race the best they possibly can without anything holding them back from being a champion. So this is not a new idea. In Hebrews, he's saying, as you run your race, lay aside anything that's going to keep you from doing that. And that would have made sense to them in this context, as people who most likely would have gone to races, kind of their main sport at the time, and the runners would basically strip. This is like streaking when it was legal. I mean, now, like you do that, you get arrested. Imagine now someone's like running a race, and you're like, oh, well, look, a naked guy is running. You know, back then, it wouldn't have been like that. They're doing anything they can to win their race. And in that culture at that time, that wasn't considered to be strange or illegal or anything or inappropriate or anything along those lines. They're getting rid of anything that's going to keep them from slowing their race. Jesus says this, if the eye causes you to sin, gauge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Now, he's speaking metaphorically here, but the habits and practices of this life that weaken our love for God, that hinder our race, that we need to take control of them by the power of God, by his grace, and put them out of our lives. And like, ask the question, what is keeping me from running well? If I actually claim to be a Christian, and by that, I just don't mean you aren't an atheist or you aren't Jewish, Muslim, or Buddhist. I mean, you actually believe the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that he forgave you, that he has made you a new person, that he's called you into a relationship with him, called you to follow him, that the love of God compels us to say, I want to run with you and for you. What's keeping you from doing that well? 
A swimmer in the Olympics isn't going to swim without their cap on. That long hair, it's going to mess them up. So what do they do? They make an adjustment. They make a change. It's common for athletes to watch film of themselves. You can watch on video. Hey, look at me. You can watch the coach. Hey, see what you're doing with your arm slot. If you just change it a little bit, it's going to move you from throwing 88 miles an hour to throwing 92. It's not you don't have the ability. It's an arm slot issue. We just change that, or we just make this little tweak in your, in your delivery, in your wind-up. Just, just a little tweak. Right? You see what you're doing on the film, and you're like, oh, yeah, man, okay. So if you would just make this adjustment, your cutter would be so much nastier than it is right now. Maybe it's you know, volleyball, watch your serve. You're doing this a little too early. You're not doing this quite enough. If you just made this adjustment, made this tweak, you'd be throwing down aces all the time. Your golf swing. A lot of people like to watch their swing. Get video of it. Most of y'all think you're a lot better golfers than you really are, so you actually need to watch the video, but that's another story for another time. But in it, you can see what's going on. You can see what needs to change. And as a, guess what you do? Would you pay all this money to have somebody evaluate your golf swing and give you lessons and then not do what they say? You know what the answer is? Yes, because we're so stubborn. And for some of you, that's the biggest thing that's holding you back in following Jesus is you're stubborn. And you have pride where you know, you know Well, this is what I do, and I just don't like the organized religion thing. You know who loves organized religion? God. You know what the Bible is? God organizing religion. Now it's led by flawed people, me, you. But so often that's the truth. It's stubbornness. Maybe others, it's pornography. It's marriage conversations you need to have your children and trying to live through them is keeping you in front of your race well. Other things, it's not sin things, but things you need to deal with. Maybe mental health needs to be addressed. You know, it's not a sin issue. I'm not saying that. Please hear me. But it shouldn't be taboo. Maybe your depression, maybe your anxiety is keeping you from running your race well. So as a result of that, maybe you need to go see a counselor. Maybe you need to get some help. Maybe it's hindering you from getting out of the house, from living your life with joy, with whatever it could be. Like, what's keeping you from running well? For others, maybe it's some sort of complete discontentment where it's never enough, where you're not satisfied in Christ. There's always someone else to compare yourselves to, something else you need. What's keeping you from running well? Watch some figurative film of yourself, which means to examine yourselves, the scriptures say. It's like, see what's going on in your life. And you, a lot of times you already know it, but are you stubbornly holding on to it? See, the race Paul's talking about in this 1 Corinthians text is most likely uh, the Ismathian games. See, the crown the winner would receive was definitely a perishable crown. It was made of leaves, most likely. They're going to turn brown, get thrown away eventually. And Paul is telling them, hey, that medal you won, 
for winning the age 45 to 53 group at the Shamrock Scurry is going to be in the attic one day. Your kids are going to go through your stuff and go, what was that? It's like, oh, that's the Palace 5K. Dad got a beer for running it. Came in second in the over 65 group. He walked half the way too. So one day it's going to go away. But you trained for that race. You trained for that game. You posted a picture of it. People came out to support you. It mattered to you. And you wanted to do it well. So you did whatever it took, or at least put in the time and the effort to run well. Here's what Paul says. They do it to receive a perishable crown. First back in our text. But we an imperishable crown. We're racing for something different. He goes, because of that, because the relationship with Jesus Christ is for all eternity, and it never passes away. I don't run like one who runs aimlessly. I have a purpose for my run. I have, and it's not just to finish at a random race. It's God's race, and it's to finish well. I don't box like one beating the air. I have an actual target. Because instead, I discipline my body and bring under strict control. And this is all in the context of what needs to be removed from your life. He's talking about the spiritual race here. So after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. You're going to actually show that I actually really do believe this stuff. That actually does matter. That does mean something to me. He's saying we compete to obtain an unperishable crown. We're not running around aimlessly. You know when you first get home and let your dog out of the kennel and the dog just like runs laps around and gets excited? He's like, we're not doing that. We're not chasing our tail. And also, we're not running for somebody else. Like, they're not the judge, whoever they are. Like, they're not the one that I have to give an answer to concerning my race. I really am running for an audience of one, but the great news is God uses that race to be an audience for others, not to impress them, but to show them what a changed life of grace looks like. Here's what he says in Revelation. Be faithful. That's the goal of the race. To the point of death, and I'll give you the crown of life. Not a perishable crown, not a homemade crown of leaves, not a participation trophy, not a medal, not a sticker, not a national championship. I'll give you the crown of life. And Jesus says, anyone who has ears to hear, listen to what the Spirit says to the churches, the one who conquers as and overcomes this world, lives faithfully, will never be harmed by the second death. I mean, there's not judgment that awaits for you. Because Jesus was judged instead. That's why we see things in the scriptures like, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. That's what it's talking about, is the race of Olympic fervor to follow the one who did it all for you. And I know it's easy for a preacher to stand up here and say, live for Jesus. I'm self-aware enough to know that. And I'm not saying your emotions for God have to be a 10 out of 10 all the time for you to be faithful. I know mine aren't. 
But it's through the mundane. It's through the tough moments. It's through the is it worth it that real runners and real champions emerge. I mean, how often when it gets hard do people quit? I remember playing high school football and which gets further and further away every year how long ago that was. Where did that happen? And we had this thing, we used to call them T-shirt All-Americans. These are guys who had come out the first couple days of practice before we got in pads. And they're running around making plays, and they're like awesome, and they're fast, and they're talking trash. But then something happened on Wednesday. We actually started playing real football. Tackle football. All of a sudden, T-shirt All-American guys know where to be found. He's in the back of the line, or he quits. Why? It got hard. It got difficult. You hear coaches regularly, and I'm using athletic metaphors today because this is what Paul's, this is the context that Paul's talking about. So if you're not a sports person, he doesn't do this every text, I promise. There's not a Star Wars text either, hate to break it to you, but I just want to let you know that. So, but one of the things you hear happen all the time at practice is when you're doing conditioning and you're running like the worst part, Coaches yelling things like, fourth quarter, fourth quarter. We're doing this for the fourth quarter. Because when you're you know, playing Childs and you're tied in the fourth quarter and the Big Red's hopefully going to win, we've got to be tough. We've got to be committed. We've got to be conditioned to finish this game. And here he's saying, when it gets tough, that's what races are about. And here's what he's telling these people who are having a tough time. He says, therefore, book of Hebrews, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses, all these ones who have gone before us and have run their race well, who are surrounding us, because of it, let's lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. What is the race? He gives it to us what the object is, keeping our eyes on Jesus. And it's hard to run your race well as a Christian if your eyes are going different places. What do they think about me? Well, what about this? Oh, no, it doesn't really line up with my politics. I'm not sure I'm going to embrace that. But we keep our eyes on Jesus. Even in the most discouraging moments, even in the mundane moments, we know it's worth it. Because here's what he did. He's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I'm not, you're not, he is. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And here's the charge. He says, for consider him. He's the motivation for our race. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. And what's the result? So we won't grow weary and give up. Do not give up. It's going to be more and more difficult in the coming days and years to be a Christian in our country. Do not grow weary and give up. If you do grow weary, don't give up. That's why coming to church regularly matters. Being a Christian is definitely more than going to church, but it's not less. We need to be encouraged every week together in a way you can't get from a podcast. 
or an online devotional. You know, all those things are helpful. Gotta be together, sing the songs of the faith together, be encouraged in the scriptures together, pray together, see people, all of these things. Don't grow weary and give up. That's my prayer for all of us, myself included. Here's what I also want you to know. It's not too late to get in the race. There's not extra grace for those who started their Christian race earlier. Maybe are you spared from some stuff? Sure. Maybe did you get a chance to enjoy the grace of God and the love of God early in your life? Praise God for that. But there's not extra grace for that person. They're not like more loved by God than you are because their track record looks a little bit different than yours. Because here's the difference. They just sin differently than you do. They still sin. And still need grace and still need forgiveness. So it's not too late to get in the race. It's not too late. What would it look like before you left today if you went in the care room out in the lobby and told one of our volunteers who want to pray with you, I want to get in the race. I want to follow Jesus. And thankfully about this race also, it's not too late to get back in it if you've gone off the path a little bit. And it doesn't take a New Year's resolution to do it. It takes a true belief in the goodness and grace of God understood in the gospel of Jesus Christ. For consider him as you run your race so you won't grow weary and give up. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for Paul's message that you led him and guided him to write. That we're to run our race like the champion does. Running to win. Because we know that you've already won. That it's by grace we've been saved through faith so that no one can boast. It's not by works. Lord, I ask because we've been saved by grace and saved by faith that now you will guide us and compel us to work to live for you, to show this matters, it's real in our life. Lord, starting with me, allow us to run our race like we actually believe this to be true. For those in this room maybe who were running and got off the path, I thank you by grace, you put us right back on it. And for those maybe who haven't been on the race, Lord, I ask you, add them to it. That you sign them up, that you bring them into the race, and we're thankful that race leads to Jesus. And that you go with us the whole way. We don't run on our own. We run filled by your spirit so we won't carry out the desires of the flesh. So we thank you for the good news of the gospel. I thank you for our church would allow us to run our race well. We thank you for 1 Corinthians. What an awesome word it is for us to read and to understand and to receive. Lord, that you want us to throw everything aside. You want us to run with self-control, discipline ourselves, to run our race well for the one who did it all for us. We love the one who loved us first. We thank you for all us in the name of Jesus. Amen.